0: I wanted to speak to you today, and the title for what I'm going to chat to you about is called, Is It Safe to Be Me? And I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite, favorite characters in the Bible who I have fell in love with in the past few years, and it's a guy called Joseph. And if you read uh, Genesis 37, Genesis 39, and Genesis 40... That will bring you a bit up to speed with Joseph's life. There's far too much to cover in one week. So I did Joseph part one uh, quite a few months ago. So now you're getting Joseph part deux. Uh, um, Joseph is one of very famous Bible characters. He's one of only two people that have had a musical made about him. Um, (laughs) Jesus being the other one, so he's in good company, really. Um, He was a son of promise. Uh, His dad, Jacob, who was a right uh, wheeler and dealer, uh, was promised by God that a company of nations would come from him. Uh, He's very relevant to today because Joseph came from a dysfunctional family. His family had two wives and two mistresses. He had ten stepbrothers and one natural brother called Benjamin. And his dad, Jacob, is a great example of how not to parent. (laughs) Parents, if you want a great example of how not to do it, look up Jacob. Because he showed partiality between his 12 sons, and he favored Joseph so much that his other brothers didn't just dislike him, they actually hated him. Uh, Joseph didn't really help matters because when he was 17, he had two dreams. One was that there would be sheaves of wheat bowing down before him. And the other one was that the sun, moon, and all the stars would bow before him. And being 17 and stupid, he told his family this. Which, as you can imagine, went down like a lead balloon. um, Which we can laugh about. But actually, his brothers hated him so much that they plotted to murder him because they really hated him, really, really hated him. Like, they began to plan, we're going to kill this guy. Um, however, he did have one of his brothers, Judah, as in Lionov, which is hilarious. Um, he came up with a bright idea of instead of murdering him, Let's make some money out of this. So, what they did, he said, look, we could just sell him and make some money. So, like you do. So, that's exactly what they did. They sold him to some passing slave traders. Here you are, one slightly brattish 17-year-old. They'd shoved him in a pit at this point and um, sold him on. So... Joseph goes from being a handsome, spoiled brat to being a slave. He was sold on to a guy called Potiphar, who was head of security for Pharaoh. So not a man to be messed with. He would be like the SAS in the Egyptian world. Uh, But God continued to prosper, Joseph. If you look at Genesis 39, verse 5 and 6, So he's been in Potiphar's household for some time and it says it came about from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge and with him he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance it's a bit like that verse where it says about jesus he grew in favor with god and man Mm. there's a lot of similarities actually if you are into bible study between joseph and jesus even being sold uh so you bible scholars will thoroughly enjoy that unfortunately god blessing him did bring along one rather large problem And that was Mrs. Potiphar, who by this time began to quite fancy Joseph. And she tried to seduce him, not once, but repeatedly. So much so, which is hilarious when you read the Bible, he started to avoid being in the house unless there were other guys around. Um, He didn't want to be seduced by his uh, master's wife, because, and one of the reasons he give is because it wouldn't please God. Uh, but there's a lesson there for all you men and women that are in the world. Sometimes you just have to take extraordinary lengths to flee any amorous advances that might be coming your way. Uh, one of the things we looked at was, were the dreams that God give, gave him going to survive rejection, disappointment, moral temptations, corruption and depravity? One of the things that happened is uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He fled, and then she acu- falsely accused him of rape. So he goes from being second in charge of Potiphar's house to being flung into Potiphar's prison, which you can imagine, as it was Potiphar's wife that had accused him, he wouldn't be getting the ensuite cell with a telly. He would be getting the deepest, darkest pit that was in that jail. While he was in prison, though, God continued to bless him in his gift of administration, gave him increasing responsibility over the prison, and he developed a new gift while he was in prison, that of interpreting dreams of other people. He interpreted a couple of dreams that that are recorded. He might have interpreted others. And they were to two guys who served in Pharaoh's court and both dreams came true. And one of the guys got restored to Pharaoh's court and continued to prosper and forgot all about Joseph and left him in prison. Years pass. Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams. He has one dream of seven. He has two dreams, both saying the same thing. One that there'll be seven years of abundant harvest, but that that will be followed by seven years of terrible famine. Uh, Joseph is summoned to Pharaoh's court, washed, dressed, shaved, clothed in, boy. And Pharaoh shares this dream. This was one of the things that really impressed me about Joseph is he went from being a prisoner to Pharaoh's court and he had changed from being a blabby brat to being a real skillful communicator because the first thing he did when he faced Pharaoh was he says I haven't got the answer to this dream God's got the answer to this dream well that might have been the end then that might have been (coughs) Potiphar out that could have been the end for Joseph but he went on to explain the dream He not only interpreted Pharaoh's dreams but he also came up with the solution which was to save 20% of the grain in the seven years of harvest and store it up and guard it ready for the seven years of famine. Joseph is a great example of what happens in our hidden life and how it can propel us and prepare us for our moment of opportunity from God. When we experience setbacks in our family life, I mean, his were pretty intense. His brothers did want to kill him. (laughs) Uh, Our work, if we get treated badly at work, if we're put in situations where we're demoted because we will not do certain things, or because we won't participate in certain actions. Um, we've seen how these difficulties actually prepared Joseph. They, t- they enabled him to hear God in difficult situations. They enabled him to offer solutions. They gave him skills that made him have a robust faith in God. And they equipped Joseph to stand before powerful people for the rest of his life. He would never again be a slave before anybody. Um, We can see from this the great strength of character that God had been forming in Joseph. And over the years, how he changed from a blabby brat to a skillful communicator the reason it spoke to me and the reason why am I prattling on about somebody who lived 4,000 years ago was because I found it so encouraging. If God could use all the difficulties in Joseph's life to prepare him for what he'd equipped him and what he'd made him for, how much more can God use all the difficulties that come in our life to prepare us and equip us for the life he's called us to live and equipping us to do what he's called us to do. That's why I was so amazed with Joseph. And as I began to read, more and more things about Joseph's life really spoke to me. We're going to look now at the second half of Joseph's life. So he's second-in-command of Pharaoh of Egypt. I was going to read you a verse about that. Hold on. Yeah. It, it, when he goes before Pharaoh, he says, "It's as I've spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do," and he goes on to explain about that's in Genesis forty one twenty eight. Um, and Pharaoh says to him. In verse 44, he says, Though I'm Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh named Joseph, <laughs> which means, I'll get this for a name, God speaks, he lives. So wherever Joseph went... God speaks, he lives, is turning up and he wants 20% of your harvest this year. Or God speaks, he lives, is coming around for dinner. So you better make sure it's up to standard. Or if you're a housewife and then, um, uh, a lady in the house, God speaks, he lives, is coming to dinner. Tell the servants to get everything ready quick. Um, so that was where he was at. So second in charge. The um, next, we're going to look at how God used Joseph and his relationships with his brothers, and how he became a provider and a reconciler for them. God wants us to be exactly the same with people who misuse us, with people who betray us, with family members that have behaved towards us less than we would wish. Dis- with awful family experiences, whether it's in a natural family or in a church family, God wants us to be free to forgive and to be reconciled to each other. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to pick up from Joseph's family. We're going to pick up where I left off last time. So, seven years of amazing harvest... My wonderful friend friend Fiona, who is a gifted administrator, brought to my attention how popular do you think Joseph would be in year six of the most amazing harvests everyone's had. In living memory, no one can remember a harvest as good as this. And they've had before that another six years of amazing harvests. How popular do you think Joseph and his cohorts would be because I should think he had armed men around him, to turn up and say, I want 20% of that harvest, please, because the famine's coming. After everyone had finished falling about laughing and saying, yeah, right, we've had six years of the best harvest we've ever seen. So that strength of character that God had put in him, he needed to do the job that God had given him. But harvests have ended, and there's been... Two years of serious famine. And Jacob, and Joseph's father, and all his brothers are starving. And they've heard that there's food in Egypt. And Jacob sends 10 of Joseph's stepbrothers down to Egypt to buy grain. And that's where we're going to pick the story up. Um, if you look at Genesis 42, 6-9... to nine, Now, Joseph was the ruler over the land, and he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces on the ground. Oh, I should point out, last time they saw him, he was 17. Now, he must be 40-odd, and he would have spoken Egyptian. He was called God Speaks He Lives. He was Pharaoh's right-hand man, so he would have had the whole eyeliner, hair, (laughs) Egyptian gear just to get you up to speed when joseph saw his brothers he recognized them but he disguised himself to them i shouldn't think he had to disguise himself much to be honest and spoke to them harshly and he said where have you come from and they said from the land of canaan to buy food but joseph had recognized his brothers although they didn't recognize him And Joseph remembered the dreams which he'd had about them. He said to them, you're spies. You've come to look at the undefended part of our land. They said, no, my lord, your servants have come to buy food. And they go on to explain that they're 12 brothers of this one man, and one son's been killed. Um, And Joseph said, no, you're spies. And one of the first things he does, verse 17 So he put them all together in prison for three days. (laughs) That is exactly what I would have done. (laughs) It wouldn't have been the deluxe cells either. (laughs) I find this totally encouraging. Uh, because I do, I found it totally encouraging, because it's not like he goes up to them and goes, ta-da, I'm Joseph, no, 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 you'll see as the story goes on, he works out quite an elaborate plan, one is he wants to see his youngest brother Benjamin, but two, he wants to test his brothers, and he wants to see what they're like now, um, it also gives him time to process what's happening in his heart and emotions. Um, this really spoke to me because we you come and see us, and I find it hilarious. I never thought you'd hear this phrase coming out of my mouth. but We are actually a cool place to come to. <laughs> those who've been around from the beginning will fall about laughing when they hear that (laughs) because we have been through some terrible 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 times Uh, we've had people that we thought uh, that we loved and admired and we've had hidden sin revealed We've had people that we thought really loved us and were good friends who we've known for 15 years. We thought we'd be friends forever. We had them, as soon as the difficulties came, completely backed off us, didn't want anything to do with us and in fact made things worse for us by uh, fueling gossip and backbiting and stuff like that. It was awful. Really, really awful. Um, The reason this spoke to me is because I began to see through Joseph, and I actually began to work through the same process Joseph did. There is a difference, you see. As Christians, we want to be like Jesus, and He told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So I feel like as a church, we've been great, sometimes harsh on forgiveness. We know forgiveness is a decision. It's not something I have to feel. It's just a decision of my will. I am going to forgive you. Jesus forgave all my sins. Every single wrong thing I've ever done, he's forgiven and he has forgotten it, and he keeps no record of it as far as East is from west. That's how far our sin is removed from us. But I began to see through Joseph that actually reconciliation and rebuilding relationships, that is a different process altogether. And that it's a process that God works in us over time. And I also learned from Joseph that it's okay. It's okay. Um, Yeah. What I saw from Joseph is, in fact, it's wisdom. People who have hurt us, who have betrayed us, whether it's intentionally or not, but where there's been relational breakdown it's important that we show grace to ourselves and to other people and that we don't beat ourselves up if we can't re-engage with people at the same level we did before um i'll give an example there's a family member in my family who has always been verbally and physically abusive Uh, to all members of the family. And over the years, I've had to learn to manage it. Um, And what I've done is I learned that as soon as they would talk about anyone in a critical or in a harsh way, I would say to them, if you continue talking like this, I'm going to leave. And if they were ever showing any physical, like they were going to be physically abusive, I would step in and remove who they were going to be physically abusive to. I learned to manage it. And what happened now, and I'm not sharing that because I love the person dearly with all my heart, actually. But I had to learn to manage that relationship So I did simple things like I would always have the car whenever I visited so I could always make a quick exit. As soon as they started being critical or judgmental or harsh towards anyone in the family, I would make it clear nicely but I would say, I'm going to leave if you're going to carry on talking like that. What's happened now is the relationship has changed so that they don't talk like that at all around me. And I can go and be peace in their household. Which is great. But there may be, I'm aware that we're a big family, and you may be, have family members where you have to learn to manage them like that. We want to keep showing love to them because we are light and salt to our family. I want to keep going. I, w- I didn't want to be disengaged from my family. I wanted to stay engaged because I'm light and salt in that environment. But I couldn't be partner to some of the behavior that was going on. So, for some of you, you may be in situations where you really need God to give you wisdom so that you can keep on being in the situation and keep your love on, as Danny Silk would say. But not let their behavior um, adversely affect anyone in your near vicinity. (laughs) Um, So, we'll pick up the story. So, they're in jail for three days. Joseph was in jail for at least three years. He could have been there considerably longer. We know he was there for at least three. His brothers appear before him. And, uh, hold on a second. Yeah. If you look up Genesis 42, verse 21, I want you to look at something else. So we know Joseph had been in prison for at least three years, could have been a lot longer. We see in this passage that he wasn't the only one who was in prison. His brothers have been in a prison of their own making for the last 20-odd years as well. He calls them before him and he says, I've got a great plan. You said you've got this young brother. Now remember, this is his only natural brother. Oh, sorry, 42 verse 21, I'm going to... I'll pick it up in a minute so um, he's desperate to see Benjamin he doesn't want to tell him who he is Uh, so he comes up with this great plan right I'm going to release you guys from prison you can take grain and you can go back to this father of yours Uh, but if you want any more grain you are going to have to bring this youngest brother that you've been talking to me about with you and then I'll know what you're saying is true And in the meantime, I'm going to keep one of you as a hostage till the rest come back. You can see, can't you? Can you see how he's processing what's been gone on, what's been done to him? So they all have a conflap. Simeon gets chosen for the job. Joseph then binds Simeon in front of them and hauls him off to jail. Just think what had happened 20-odd years before. They'd bound him and sold him to the traders. That speaks to me that it's okay to process when people have hurt us. It's okay. God gives you permission to process the hurt and the damage that they've done. He loves us too much to leave us damaged and in prison. God wants us free. Um, Huge emotions are churning in Joseph at this time. I want you to look at Genesis. Oh, I haven't read that bit, have I? Sorry. You can see here how his brothers are in prison. Truly, we're guilty. They're talking to one another truly we're guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we wouldn't listen. Therefore, all this trouble and distress has come upon him. And Reuben said to them, didn't I tell you, don't sin against the boy and you wouldn't listen. Now look, we're reckoning for his blood. They didn't know, however, that Joseph understood for there was an interpreter between them And he turned away from them and he wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Um, Huge emotions are swirling in Joseph. But we can see the strength of character in them. Because look at the next verse. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And thus it was done for them. Even though he was perfectly justified, he could have killed them all, could have shoved them all in prison forever. Even though they'd hurt him, he refused to make them pay. They didn't pay for one Grain that they took away with them from Egypt back to their dad. Not one grain was paid for. Um, Sometimes when people hurt us badly, it takes time to heal. We can see there's that verse we've just read. But if you look at Genesis 43, 30 to 31, Joseph hurried out for he was deeply stirred over his brother and he sought a place to weep. He entered his chamber and wept there. He's processing stuff all the time. I know there are people here that have come from other church situations where it hasn't been a bed of roses. I want to lift up hope for you not only to forgive what's gone on, but to be reconciled with people. Um, So they return to Canaan. Hold on, I'm going to read my notes. Yeah. I want to give you permission to recover, to collect yourselves again, I want to give you permission to withdraw, to cry, to weep, to be angry with God, to be frustrated, to tell Him how you feel, to get with close friends, to ask for prayer. I'd recommend small groups for that or good friends that you've got. To pray and to forgive and to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. And to forgive, and to forgive, and to forgive until you are free. (laughs) Um, I want us to be like Joseph. He blessed his brothers. He gave them all that grain for them and all the household. They didn't pay one penny towards it. And he gave them provisions for their journey. He did work through stuff. That was the other thing that really encouraged me, was he wasn't perfect. We've still got Simeon in prison. (laughs) I wonder if he went past every now and again, sort of waved. (laughs) I would have (laughs) done. return back to the dad but it's on the understanding that next time if they need more grain they've got to bring benjamin with them so time passes there's no food and they've eaten all the grain They've run out of grain again. They go to their dad, Jacob. Dad, we've got to get some grain or you're going to lose a lot more children than Joseph. Dad isn't keen because he doesn't want Benjamin to go. He still hasn't learned. Benjamin is now his favorite over all his brothers. He is not a perfect parent, which is so encouraging for us parents. God's grace is bigger than us. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the other thing that I saw is that there'd been a change of heart in Judah. Remember, ooh, we can make some money out of this. That was his bright idea. He goes to his dad and he says, Father, I will personally guarantee Benjamin's safety. You can hold me personally responsible for his life forever. When relationship has broken down, we can freeze frame people where they were. You don't know what God's been doing in somebody's life in your absence. You just don't know what God's been doing in their life while you've been absent, what he's been doing with them. Judah had changed. He was prepared to lay his life down for his brother this time. So they go back to Egypt. They turn up. And this time... Joseph arranges for them to have a feast at his house, not in Grain HQ, wherever that was, but at his home. They turn up, they're very nervous because they found all the money that they thought they'd paid for the grain in their sacks on the way back. So they're very apprehensive, to say the least, because they're all aware they didn't pay for the grain the first time. So they go to the head steward and say, Look, we've, we've was a mistake we didn't pay for the grain oh yes he says your grain was paid in full oh strange have a feast and they're sat down in birth order the eldest to the youngest now bearing in mind some of them were really old men they were a bit puzzled how he could know the birth order um Now remember at this point, God speaks, he lives, still hasn't revealed that he's Joseph. They buy, they turn up, buy some more grain, go to this feast, and we're going to pick up the story from there. It's chapter 43, verse 26. When Joseph came home, they brought in They brought into the house with him all the presents which were in their hands and bowed to the ground before him. Then he said to them, is your old father well of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? Remember, this is his dad. They said, yes, your servant, our father, is well. He's still alive. And they bowed down in homage. As he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said to him, May God be gracious to you, my son. And Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother. And he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face, and he came out. And he controlled himself and said, Serve the meal. Verse 33. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at each other in astonishment. I bet. Stage two of Joseph's cunning plan packs them up, gives them a great meal, great wine, sends them on their way. Again, all the money mysteriously appears inside all the sacks full of grain. They don't pay for a single. don't know what you call one little ear of grain they didn't pay for one but he hides a special goblet in benjamin's sack they haven't gone very far his chief honcho rides out and says my master someone's stolen this special goblet from his sack and they're like well we haven't got it he says good you won't mind if we search your bags then will you and promptly searches all the bags and guess where they find the goblet in Benjamin's sack (gasps) or go back to Egypt God speaks he lives they have stolen from him they are in deep 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 trouble I think the reason Joseph did this was to find out and to test his brothers. Were they going to betray Benjamin like they did him? Had they learned anything in the last 20-odd years? Or were they prepared to just sell Benjamin on? Um, And if we look at chapter 44... Verse 33, he says, I don't want to keep you all slaves, that wouldn't be fair, but this was a special goblet, and you have stolen from me, so the guy whose sack it was in, he can be my slave, and the rest of you can go. Judah, in verse 33, now there comes up to God speaks he lives says now therefore please let your servant remain instead of the lad a slave to my lord and let the lad go up with all his brothers for how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me lest I see the evil that would overtake my father basically my dad's going to drop dead if we go back without Benjamin I can't do it Then Joseph couldn't control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, "'Have everyone go out from me!' So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, "'I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers couldn't answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I'm your brother, Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Now therefore it wasn't you who sent me here but God and he has made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say thus says your son Joseph God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. I will provide for you for your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have, for there are still five years of famine to come. And then verse 14, "You must tell 13, You must tell my father of all the splendor in Egypt and all that you've seen. And hurry and bring my father down. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers. And he wept on them. And afterwards his brothers talked with him. And when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Every time I read this passage for years, I would cry and break down sobbing at this point. I couldn't work out why it affected me so much. In fact, it's only really the last few weeks I've realized what it was. It's because Jesus realized it was safe to reveal who he was. His brothers had changed. They weren't going to sell Benjamin to him. They'd changed. It was safe. And I began to see how important it was that we release each other to move in reconciliation. The church for a long time has hammered forgiveness, 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 But we've not preached reconciliation. We've not helped people be free to emotionally process, to do whatever weird things you have to do so that you can be free in situations. Joseph took the risk of being known for who he really was. He wanted more. He wanted reconciliation with his whole family He wanted shared heart connection. He wanted relationship. He wanted restored family life. He had done the right things. He'd forgiven them. He'd blessed them as a family. But he'd not revealed who he really was. The same thing can be true of us. It's possible for us to do the right thing... We can bless people without revealing our hearts. God wants so much more for us as a church family. He wants us to be free to be who we truly are in front of each other. He wants this to be a safe place where you can be who God's made you to be. This speaks to me because I've had this happen to me. We've had it happen to us. And not just recently. We've had this happen to us for years where we've been rejected for who we are and for what we are by other church members, by other church leaders, by apostles even. <laughs> um, God loves me just as I am. But do you? God loves you just as you are. And I release each one of you to be who you are in God. <laughs> We need to give people a chance, just like Joseph did, to prove that they've changed. We need to leave the door open for them to come back. That doesn't mean we let them bring all the rubbish with them. We can see from Joseph, he was running the show. The relationship was on his terms. Or there was going to be no relationship we're the same the relationships are can be on our terms but we need to leave people a chance to prove that they've changed and leave the door open for them to come back i've also learned because this has been told us a lot you can't pronounce that somewhere is a safe place you have to earn the right and you have to prove that it's a safe place. You have to create that environment and it takes a lot of time. Me and Jan McFarlane are great mates. Very different giftings, very different personalities, but we're very similar on some things. Jan came to see me a few years ago. It was when, just after we'd been through all the troubles, and she sat down on my sofa, and she was having some difficulties. But God had been speaking to me about this stuff. And I said, Jan, I just want you to, I just want to say how sorry I am, because when all the difficulties happened with us, I dropped you like a hot potato. And I did. That's exactly what I did. And we both had a cry. But do you know what? It released me and it released her. And we've continued to be honest with each other. We've decided to stay vulnerable with each other. We've decided to stay open and teachable to each other even though her gift is totally different from my gift. But we are honoring of each other and we are cheering each other on. What I began to see is that there is great power in this. This isn't just something I'm recommending because I think it's great and it'll do you good. I am recommending it because it is great and it will do you good but there is tremendous power because this is just what God's like with us. He sent Jesus to reconcile the whole world to him. That it didn't matter what anyone had done wrong, they could have a great relationship with the Father and be free of shame and guilt. I had a picture, we were on holiday in Devon last Easter and we had some books and it was a lovely sunny day clearer than today in fact and we said we'll just go outside and read these books in the sun thinking you know it'll be like Glasgow, 20 minutes that'll be it we'll sit there for hours and uh, I read my book and I looked up and there was two red kites flying over us And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You don't often see red kites. These are great big birds of prey, massive. They were endangered and they started reintroducing them in the country. Anyway, two red kites flying over us. I think, this is amazing. Read my book a bit more, look up. And there's three red kites over us. I think, wow, this is even more amazing. Read my book some more. And then I look up and there's two red kites flying in from totally different ends of the sky. Now we've got five red kites soaring directly above our heads. Perhaps there's a dead cow. (laughs) (laughs) Obvious. Obvious, (laughs) you know. There's steaks somewhere around, and they've all come because there's food. But they weren't feeding. All they were doing was flying in this massive thermal then two more flew over. So we had seven red kites flying over our heads. Now, even someone like me thinks, this is God. These aren't birds that fly together. And they were the only birds that were flying in this thermal. But I felt God speak to me about it. Um, he said. <laughs> Friends getting very excited. <laughs> I felt it was a picture of powerful people with powerful anointings that God is, bring, some of them are here, but God's going to bring them into our arena. And gonna, the great thing about a thermal is you start here and you end up here with very little effort from yourself. And that's what God had been directing all these red kites from all different parts of the sky towards us. Wouldn't it be amazing? And what would happen if we were such a free environment in hope that people could fly in and be released in their giftings, be forgiven, be reconciled, and be free to be all the people that God's made of. It's all right, Ina, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're a popular lady <laughs> That's family, isn't it? <laughs> it's great. What happens if we're free? and people can, are free to fly in our environment. What happens if people rock up at hope here? They get into God's thermal, and before you can say Jack Robinson, they're up here. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I saw in Joseph how we can be free from guilt. I don't want anyone to leave here today beating themselves up because they can't forgive somebody. I don't want anyone to leave feeling bad. I can't forgive this person. Is this the area that's unresolved. I can't forgive them. Because you can be reconciled. It might take a lot of time and there might be some things you have to do that seem weird to other people. Shove someone in prison or tie someone up. <laughs> take someone hostage. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> but we can see about if you look at Genesis fifty, it is verse nineteen, I think it says, Don't be afraid. For am I in God's place? And he's saying this to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for his good. In order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to him. The other thing about Joseph, Phil had a word before about we would break something that had been over people for years. You know the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, 430 years to the day, it says, later, they were carrying with them joseph's bones because joseph had told them i don't want my bones left in egypt they're to go with you back into canaan because in those days god's place and presence was geographic it's not now it's the whole world hallelujah praise god thank you jesus but then it was geographic it was canaan he says i don't want my bones to stay in egypt you to take them with you when you go back to canaan His legacy lasted for hundreds of years. What God's doing with us today can totally change our lives. It can totally change our kids' lives. It can totally change our grandchildren's lives. Who knows where it ends up? Joseph never probably thought in a million years that Theresa Merrick could be talking about him four thousand years later and that God would use his life to bring healing and freedom and to show me about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. But he did. He totally, totally spoke to me through Joseph. Uh, totally. It's okay to process. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how to land this big baby. I feel like I've flown in with a jumbo jet and I don't know how to land it. (laughs)